good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Courtney Cuff, Henny Cutter gave me. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Buju, Anin relatives. This is Ogamakanuakwe standing in for Wakanja Hade today. Wakanja Hade is at the uh, Native American uh, Chamber of Commerce Gala uh, in the Twin Cities tonight. So uh, we're grateful to be here on air live on Civic Media Network. And uh, we have some, well, we have a wonderful guest lined up for you tonight here. We have a uh, Minnesota State Senator Mary Kunish, who is a descendant of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, and uh, I believe the only Native American uh, representative in the Minnesota Senate at this time. She's just returning from the National Congress, or excuse me, National Caucus of Native American State Legislatures. They had their annual meeting in Las Vegas, November 29th through December 1st, so she will bring some updates on that tonight. Really excited to hear about that. I'm just going to go right into the news, everybody, since I don't have Robert here today to uh, talk to about it. But, um, you know, in addition to the National Caucus of Native American State Legislators annual meeting, uh, the Tribal uh, Nations Summit at the White House, the 10th annual White House Tribal Nations Summit to be correct, and the first one that's been held in person since 2016 due to COVID-19 uh, is wrapping up this week. And uh, there's been a lot of really great promises and uh, conversation that's been happening uh, with Native people um, in regards to the Biden administration. Um, really excited to see that kind of work coming in. Um, one of the really big ones uh, that came out is that President Biden told tribal leaders in Washington that Spirit Mountain um, is going to be a sacred uh, site. Um, so the Spirit Mountain um, and the surrounding ridges and canyons, uh, Biden said he was uh, committed to protecting because that place is a sacred and is a central part to the creation story of many of the tribes in that area. It's going to be designated as Avi Kweme uh, or Avi Kweme. Um, national monument and it will be like a triangle shaped area uh, from Arizona and the Colorado River to California and into the Mojave National Preserve as well. The area is mostly undeveloped um, but um, it's really exciting to hear that uh, Nevada's congressional delegation, delegation and conservationist members are really excited about that and um, tribal members are as well. It's, a, it's not official um, yet, but uh, this is really uh, good news. So um, Avikwe Ma is, um, is called that by the Fort Mojave Indian tribe, and it is the tallest um, area, Spirit Mountain is the tallest area in the surrounding areas, and it is listed in the National Register of Historic Places, and it's currently overseen by the Bureau of Land Management and the National Park Services, and there's been a coalition of tribes and conservation groups who have for many years talked about uh, widening the protections for that area, including a place called Walking Box Ranch and a Spanish Colonial Revival House that once belonged to some uh, 1920s actors, which is a really interesting fact. Um, and there's been a proposal um, by a Swedish-based Sweden-based company to build a wind energy farm in that area, and that was slow tracked last year by the U.S. Bureau of Land Management ahead of this announcement by Biden at the uh, Tribal Leaders Summit in Washington. So. That's very exciting, and uh, Chimigwich to AP News Associated Press for this uh, wonderful information on that. Um, a little bit uh, more depressing news, though. Uh, Indian Country Today just put out an article or a blurb um, about the pay gap, the wage gap for Native women um, is the headline for today on Indian Country Today. And uh, the, it's 50 cents per one dollar. The average Native woman makes 50 cents for every dollar paid to a white man. Uh, the wage gap results in about $2,400 a month and 
and more than $28,000 a year that working Native women lose. And according to data from the National Women's Law Center, Native a Native woman starting a career today would lose about $1.1 million over the course of a 40-year career. On uh, November 30th was Native Women's Equal Pay Day, and uh, that is a huge wage gap that Native women are facing. So um, if you are a Native woman and you feel like you're struggling, um, that you're maybe just not able to um, get that type of pay. You're not. You're not losing your mind. It's not you. Um, you're definitely worth every penny. Um, but there is that pay gap. Um, so earning only fifty-one cents per dollar, as compared to a white man or white men in general, is a really systemic inequality that often really goes unnoticed. We're trained in this country to not talk about our pay, and that is. Um, one of those things that just kind of slips on under the radar in addition to a lot of, um, you know, kind of quiet uh, mental work that women do um, it for their homes and um, kind of this sort of invisible labor. So if you're a Native woman like myself and you're listening, um, you know, my prayers are with you and uh, we need to band together and work on this uh, this pay gap thing. This is, this is a problem. And uh, I knew that it existed, uh, but I did not know um, exactly how bad it is. So um, Chimigwich to, again, Indian Country Today and uh, to the National Women's Law Center for that information. Uh, we can't take action if we don't know what's happening. So we can take action on that. Uh, there's been some more information uh, that's been coming up here in the uh, Winnemucca Indian Colony dispute. Uh, land protectors stepped in earlier this year um, in northern Nevada. And uh, there's the Winnemucca Indian Colony, which is a group of, uh, it's an encampment, a group of trailer homes, tents, and other types of uh, dwellings where many elders uh, from the Winnemucca tribe and um, Indian Colony reside. Unfortunately, the um, the leadership of that tribe has been disenrolling um, those people in order to uh, make way for the eviction that they said um, they're working on destroying um, the campsite in order to um, kind of clean up the area. And, um, you know, it's about a 20 acre settlement and there's a few dozen people there, mostly elders who live just outside of Winnemucca, Nevada. And, um, this has been a really long fight and it's involved the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, the tribal council and colony resident residents. And uh, basically it comes down to disagreements over who is a valid member of the council and thus has authority over the land. Um, and, it's it's a parcel that uh, was given uh, by then President Woodrow Wilson to grant the 320 acre parcel um, to Paiute and Shoshone Native Americans. And then um, it's just been this ongoing um, legal battle. The dem demolitions and disposals of their homes um, began um, in spring and they were funded by grants from the Bureau of Indian Affairs and um, the colony leaders are trying to spur economic growth and clean up the area but the residents that are there uh, really have um, decided that they want to stay there that is where their home is and uh, they don't want to be moved so uh, land protectors uh, from up here in Minnesota and um, other places had gone down uh, to Nevada for that uh, earlier this year. And as we find out more information on that, um, we will keep you updated. Also, um, three year in the years long fight against line three, uh, we are now needing to ask people for help to continue protecting water and treaty rights and a healthy climate. Head on over to the sierraclub.org and uh, go under their action tab and uh, demand that federal agencies hold Enbridge accountable for line three destruction. Enbridge, the Canadian pipeline company, broke the law and harmed natural resources during line three construction in northern Minnesota violated state law and caused serious damage to surrounding wetlands and water bodies. And the Minnesota DNR has only acknowledged three places where there were pierced aquifers and causing serious damage. But we do know from uh, Wadukawad Amikwag that that is 
more. So uh, head on over to sierraclub.org and make sure you sign that. And uh, we are excited to have Minnesota Senator Mary Kunish up next. And we are looking forward to hearing her recap of the National Caucus of Native American State Legislators. This portion of the show was brought to you by MN350. And we will be right back on Native Roots Radio. Hey, Wendy, what are we doing for dinner after the show? How about we go to Jay Selby's on 169 Victoria Street in St. Paul. They have a delicious plant-based menu that's compassionate and environmentally sustainable. I'm getting their spot-on vegan Big Mac, the dirty secret. You can pick up and they deliver within a five-mile radius, or you can call them at 651-222-3263 or visit jayselby's.com. Well, you sold me one. Let's go order at Jay Selby's tonight. I'm hungry. Unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation. Catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Minsure helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Minsure? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Minsure.org today and get started and get covered. That's mnsure.org. mnsure.org. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, Buju relatives, this is Ogamaganua Kwe hosting Native Roots Radio tonight in place of Wakunjahade, Robert Pilot, who is out at the uh, gala for the uh, Native American uh, tribal, or excuse me, the Native American Chamber of Commerce in the uh, Twin Cities tonight. So excited for him to be there and uh, rubbing elbows with all of the Native businesses and organizations who are going to be there tonight. Uh, but also really excited and grateful that we have Senator Mary Kunish joining with us tonight. Uh, Senator Mary Kunish is going to be talking about her trip to the National Caucus of Native American State Legislators uh, annual meeting. Uh, So she would have just gotten back, I think, yesterday. It looks like it wrapped up December 1st. Uh, Welcome back to the motherland, Senator Kunish. Well, uh, on happy wash day, everybody. Good evening. Uh, Senator Kunish from Minnesota here. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a really, really inspiring conference that we, we all attended in Las Vegas. I haven't been to Las Vegas since I was underage, actually. Uh, and so it was just a, a really great gathering of legislators from across the United States, Native American ones. But this time it was the first ever um, quad gathering. So we had um, the, the Black legislators, we had the Asian Americans and the Latinx, all four of us were gathered in the same place in Las Vegas and um, really enjoyed getting together and um, talking about issues that are important to us and how we have some of those common, you know, a lot of common issues and how we're, we're focusing on them. But um, we had just a, a wonderful time. It's the National Caucus of Native American State Legislators. And our theme for this, this year was moving forward through healing. And so we came together um, to exchange and learn and build policy and resolutions that are going to improve our state and tribal relationships and improve you know, what goes on in our communities, whether it's on reservation, 
urban, wherever it may be. So we talked a lot about issues that, you know, all communities are, are dealing with, especially around um, the impact of COVID on mental health. And we had a great uh, discussion with the uh, U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability and Employment Policy because um, we have high, high levels of our Native folks that, um, for one reason or another, uh, and not just with mental health issues, but have disability issues. We have those high rates of diabetes and heart disease and, mm -hmm. and some of the other things that really affect us. So. Yes, it was just, uh, it was very nice. We had a really good food and good, good, um, good sponsorship and good community. We, there's a lot of network going, networking going on. Um, we talked about energy needs in Indian country. Um, the election, uh, the elections was another big pot, uh, discussion. Um, you know, Native Americans have the lowest level of elected representation in the United States. And I uh, looked at the Black Legislative con um, Caucus that was there. They had over like 450 attendants. I think we had less than 30. So that tells oh. you right there how mm -hmm. behind the times we are when it comes to um, uh, Native Americans stepping up to run for office. And hopefully, you know, in the next two years, we will be building up more and more opportunities for folks to step into positions that they're going to run um, for office. But we... Um, we had a, a really good speaker, Jordan James Harville. He's the national program director from Advanced Native Political uh, Leadership. And mm -hmm. the support systems that they have uh, developed for Native leadership is really, really astounding. I would, I would really suggest that if you are, or you know somebody that's thinking about running, um, you know, look up Advanced Native Political Leadership and see the kind of work that they are doing. Um, Jordan was extremely uh, inspirational, and I know that they have gotten behind a number of candidates helping them get elected and also to work on getting out the vote. Um, it was great. We had a bunch of our, our brothers and sisters from Hawaii and uh, the, the discussion about what their challenges are, especially when it comes to um, land access and uh, the ability to to build housing that is going to um, support them is it's very unique in Hawaii, of course, because they became a state, uh, a state in 1950 or nine, I think, in the 50s. Mm -hmm. and, after their after their uh, tribal leader was overthrown, uh, yeah. she was still in control, and she was overthrown by a government coup. So um, they have they have land grants money to um, for housing and, and buying these and developing these houses, but there's all kinds of um, there's all kinds of problems in, in accessing those dollars and then being able to build them and then who gets to live in them and for because I think they they start out with a temporary lease and then it goes for a hundred years a lease for a hundred. Uh, years and then it can be divided or inherited, handed down. Wow, it's it's very complicated, and I I'm not mm -hmm. doing a very good job of explaining it, but it is very it is very complicated, and so um, we had a lot of discussion about issues that are going on um, in Hawaii, and just really enjoyed seeing and getting to know those folks. The di digital divide in Indian country we talked about. Um, Violence prevention, and of course, we never can do any of this without talking about the MMIW and, and what's happening, how folks are addressing that in their own states. And we really did have a good discussion around the truth, reconciliation, and healing at the national and the state and the tribal level. Um, and and the, that was around um, uh, the boarding school uh, mm -hmm. healing coalition. And we will continue to do that. I know that the president of the United States has made efforts, but there are still a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done, especially in the religious organized um, boarding schools where 
they are, you know, they signed a letter that they will work and support, you know, this this effort towards truth, reconciliation, and healing, but mm-hmm. yet are not forthcoming with the documents when asked. Uh, right. The documents, and you know, unfortunately, it means that they're going to have to be subpoenaed. And my yes. question was, you know, is anybody stepping up and voluntarily providing the information that's requested? And the answer is no. And so, uh, that, that, you know, that makes me those, worried a little bit. Those empty promises are really common uh, just with those types of, um, you know, they promise, they say they're committed to this. And then um, by the by the end of the day, it, it doesn't end up being that way. Their actions don't match their words. And that's always really frustrating. And having to um, take the legal route as a Native person, you know, people who want to paint paint Native people as the bad guy for having to take that route when they had promised that information to begin with. So that's, that's really disappointing to hear, but I really hope that um, they're able to win that legal battle and take the effort to, to do that. It would, it would be, I think it would mean a lot more if they did that voluntarily, but of course Mm -hmm. those, you know, entities are are concerned about any legal ramifications and um, you know, the threat of the pocketbook is always, is always the one that really makes it the, the, yes. the big issue. So mm-hmm. we talked about ICWA, of course. There's no getting around that the threat against uh, of removing ICWA Indian Child Welfare Act uh, at the federal level. And I think we talked about this, but um, in Minnesota, we have this incredible program um, we call MIFPA, Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. And it's very similar to um, the ICWA law at the federal level um, and goes a little bit further. But uh, with the threat of ICWA going away, um, I and a number of other individuals and work groups have been going through um, legislation and looking at how well Minnesota can shore up our mm-hmm. MIFA. And then um, I know there are a lot of other states that are looking to do the very same. So it's good to know that we're, you know, people are being proactive rather than reactive when it comes to this sort of thing. Yes, and we did talk about that. And you brought a guest on, uh, Laura Newton from the American Indian Center. She's the head of their uh, family services department at the Minneapolis American Indian Center. And I had a chance to interview her for uh, a different project. And uh, she had talked about how it's really important that our relatives, if they want to do something, um, and ICWA, and doing something to protect ICWA at this point is kind of out of everybody's hand while it's with the Supreme Court. But something that you can do is to, if you have any interest at all, uh, take the time to become a foster parent. If you're a Native person, we need more Native foster parents uh, available to um, Native children that are um, currently experiencing uh, separation from their families. Um, and, you know, in Minnesota, we have those really high rates here, even with MIFPA. So I'm not sure what those rates look like in um, other states, but clearly this is a nationwide problem. And uh if you're, again, if you're a Native person and even if you can't commit to fostering, you could commit to maybe um, just, it's called respite care when another foster family needs a few days off from a child, that would be a good option too. So um, that is straight out of uh, Laura Newton from the Minneapolis American Indian Center's mouth. Looks like we are uh, coming to the end of this segment here, Mary. Uh, we can touch base a little bit more on this uh, caucus group that you were at in Las Vegas over the week, uh, earlier this week. Um, and uh, we'll touch base a little bit more on ICWA, I think, too, when you get back. You're listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. I'm Ogama Ganuakwe, hosting for Robert Pilot tonight, uh, Wakanjahade. And we will be right back after this message. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Seward Co-op is now offering convenient self-serve and pre-packaged hot options and salad bars at both the Franklin and Friendship stores. 
breakfast items available daily until 11 a.m. and brunch served all day every Sunday. Their weekly lunch and dinner menus highlight cuisines from around the world. They offer vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options daily. 95% of the ingredients used are organic from small-scale local community food producers whenever possible. More at Seward.coop. This is Santita Jackson, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I couldn't be more excited about starting our days together, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, on the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Hi, this is Chad from AM950. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, window, and insulation contractor in the metro. Ryan is so excited about working with AM950 and our listeners that he wants to help us grow. This is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. I was friends with Chad long before I started marketing with him. I was a bit skeptical of radio advertising before Chad convinced us to run ads. The advertising's been so successful, we want to help the station grow. We've absolutely loved working with the listeners of AM950, and we all know how extreme important this radio station is to the community. To help AM950 grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to follow, engage, share, and interact on the AM950 social media platforms. Together, we can all work to ensure AM950 continues to thrive and grow in our communities. We stand by our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. For a free estimate or more information on our financing, call 612-333-SNAP or check us out online. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Hi, my name is Pamela Topchian. I'm a former nurse, published author, and board-certified hypnotherapist with HypnoBreakthrough.com. Do you feel stuck in a rut, finding yourself wondering if this is all there is to life, tired of just existing? HypnoBreakthrough can help you to reduce stress, release fears, gain confidence, and reach your life's goals holistically mindfully and gently so i ask you what changes would you like to see in your life let's talk about it contact me pamela topchian board certified hypnotherapist to schedule your free consultation which includes a complimentary stress reducing sample session so you can see how it feels for yourself before any commitments are made Go to HypnoBreakthrough.com for all the information. That's HypnoBreakthrough.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilly. Uh, snow tonight with a low of 5 above and wind chills around 10 below zero. Then sunny Saturday with a high of 15 and wind chills around 10 below. We have a new gift for our sustaining AM 950 members this year, the AM 950 poster, featuring pictures from Matt McNeil's National Parks Adventures. Head over to am950radio.com to see membership options and how to get a poster as a thank you gift for being a member of AM950. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ogamaganuakwe standing in for Robert Pilot tonight here on Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. We're live on the Civic Media Network throughout uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, a little bit of Michigan, I think, uh, Iowa, and a little bit of Illinois as well. I just wanted to let those who are in the uh, Twin Cities area or maybe uh, close nearby in Wisconsin that the Native American Community Development Institute and the All My Relations Art Gallery are very pleased to present She Who Lives on the Road to War, a present a live uh, presentation and dance performance by Rosie Seema's Dance. It's at All My Relations Arts Gallery, but it's only happening until December 15th and they are limited. They have limited performances. So make sure you head on over to allmyrelationsarts.com and get your tickets to uh, see She Who Lives on the Road to War before it goes 
uh, out on December 15th before the holidays. And uh, we're back here with Minnesota State Senator Mary Kunish, uh, who is discussing her uh, recent trip to Las Vegas, although uh, it doesn't sound like uh, what it sounds like, right, Mary? You were there on official business. Oh, sorry, Mary, you were on mute. Um, yes, I was there on official business. We had um, the Quad uh, uh, Legislators of Color Conference uh, this past week. So we had um, the Black legislators, the Latinx legislators, the Asian uh, legislators, and um, our American Indian legislators all meeting up for the very first time ever in one place and really really reviewing the, the issues that um, are very unique to each one of our groups, but also so many of them are, are very, we have very much the same issues. And uh, it was just good to, to be together and um, see folks that we haven't seen for a, a very, very long time due to the pandemic. But Ogamala, do you have we talked? Have you talked about the um, election up in in Canada and um, the election of Mary uh, Peltola? You know, I do believe that I mentioned it just briefly on air um, earlier this week or late last week. Uh, Mary Peltola uh, had initially been elected um, in a runoff race uh, for like a temporary position um, after another legislator had um, suddenly either passed away or resigned. Um, but in the official uh, election that followed, she was um, voted in for, I believe, a two year term, right? She was. And what was interesting about the, um, her election is that the, it was done through a process called ranked choice voting. And I know I don't know. Um, I don't know if, if folks are familiar with that, but it's really interesting because um, Mary um, Peltola is a, a Democrat. And she was running in traditionally a red state of Alaska. And um, the, the way that they chose their can or their, their elected official this time is through a process called rank choice voting. And what it did is um, it allowed the voters to look at all of the candidates and rank them you know, their first choice, their second choice, their third and fourth, depending how many there are. And then when the votes are tabulated, the lowest one drops off. And then those are added to, um, the, you know, the whatever their second choice was until eventually it sort of um, just sort of um, trickles out and, and works its way out. And then, um uh, you know, it works in all kinds of different elections, not just, you know, these big ones. But what was really interesting is that, um, um, you know, that the voters knew that when they chose their first one, if their first choice doesn't, doesn't win, um, then their vote would automatically count for the next choice instead. And that really makes a difference because it frees those voters up from worrying about how others are going to vote and which candidates are more likely to win. And yes. um, those candidates can compete without fear of them splitting the vote like like we've seen happen in the past. And so it's, it was a pretty unique and um, kind of groundbreaking process, but we're just so lucky that, that Mary got in there along with uh, Lisa Murkowski and, and the governor, Mike um, Dunleavy. I think uh, there, there seems to, there were, we had a lot of uh, Alaskans at our conference and they were very excited about this process and about the fact that, that um, they now have a native in, in that position. Yeah. So how long has Alaska had uh, ranked choice voting? Is that something that's new to Alaska? It is new new to Alaska. And um, we have a movement here in Minnesota to adopt that. There are folks that have concerns, especially in, um, you know, some of the higher level um, elections, but Bloomington, Minnetonka, um, St. Louis Park, St. Paul, Minneapolis, they all use ranked choice voting to elect their local leaders. So it works really, excuse me, really well at that level. Um, and so here in Minnesota, we 
already have nearly a million Minnesotans who are already using the system to elect candidates and um, could easily be adopted. And so there will be some legislation here in Minnesota to um, adopt ranked choice voting statewide. And uh, we will just have to wait and see what those conversations look like at the legislature. Yeah. Are there any specific groups that you know of that are working on um, advancing this at the Minnesota legislature that we could reach out to or get involved with? Yeah, there is a group called Fair Vote, and um, they are very well organized. Um, They uh, do really good lobbying, really good work. And um, it's really grassroots efforts uh, to do this. So look up Fair Vote. And it's a national group, uh, so it's not just Minnesota that's looking at this, but also um, other states around the the U.S. that are hoping to do that. And, um, you know, there's a number, yeah, it's happening and it's kind of, you know, I think it might be a wave of the future. Yeah, that, I mean, it, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense that you wonder why, we haven't been doing it this way the whole time, you know, <laughs> like yeah. um, it's, there's so many elections, like you were saying, Mary, where people are nervous to vote for the candidate that they may want to vote for. Maybe they want to vote for a third party candidate, but if they vote for a third party candidate in a two party system, um, there's no ranked choice. There's no other option. So that vote doesn't. Yes, it counts to that candidate. And yes, that vote counts, but it, it sometimes does not. It doesn't help um, the other party that they would otherwise align with, you know, that may have more support. And that's where ranked choice voting can really come in handy here in Minnesota that, okay, well, if my first option doesn't get elected, this would be my second choice. And um, it allows those votes almost to, instead of, you know, not counting towards uh, one or the other of the major, major parties, but also to, um, you know, just to carry more weight to say, you know, these are the top three or these are the three in order or the five in order, or however many candidates there may be. And um, I think that that could be really a game changer for the United States democracy, I mean, as a whole. Well, absolutely. And one thing also is they found that it lowers the barrier to entry for women and candidates of color because oftentimes women or uh, folks of color are intimidated or told you're not ready or you know wait your turn sort of thing. But um, with ranked choice voting, it makes it easier for those women and candidates of color to run for office and win. And we experienced this uh, in my Senate district when we had to go through the endorsement process and it was really cool how how it all played out it made it very easy um with the ranked choice voting those candidates aren't pressured to wait their turn they're not perceived as spoilers and um those uh the rcd elections found that voters of color were more likely to rank candidates um those candidates that the folks of color were more prone to um uh, ranking uh, voters than white voters, and um, because it, it, it's been found that candidates of color were more likely to win those elections, um, especially mm-hmm. in races during multiple ca- uh, candidates of color. And so people have to kind of learn to play nice with each other because um, there, there's like second, third, um, first, second, and, and so it isn't just one takes all. Um, it's a whole process of, of ranking your, your, your candidate, and um, it's really something that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening in and you're interested in ranked choice voting here in Minnesota or nationally, you can go to fairvotemn.org or just go to the national site, which is just fairvotemn.org. That's F-A-I-R-V-O-T-E dot org. And you can figure out ways that you can get involved to advocate for this in the legislature, in your state, or at a national level. Um, Really excited to hear that there's uh, such a solid movement uh, happening here in Minnesota, uh, Senator Kunish. And we're just coming up on the last couple of minutes of the segment. And um, miigwech so much to you for being here. Uh, Do you have any last, uh, any something you want to say before we um, go to the last segment? 
Well, winter is upon us. The roads are going to be slick and snowy. Um, let's everybody drive carefully and defensively. Be sure that you have uh, safety items in your car that in case you get stuck. But um, if you can still get out and, and enjoy this beautiful weather, these beautiful uh, winter days. Uh, don't get yourself all holed up in the middle of winter, um, but get out there and en enjoy the fresh air, get your exercise, and um, help somebody else if they need a little bit of shoveling done. So, Wopi talk, everybody. Take care. Miigwech. Thank you so much, Mary Kunesh, Senator, State Senator Mary Kunesh, for joining us tonight here on Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Up next, we're actually going to listen to uh, Wendy Pilot's Sacred Animal News uh, from yesterday. She talked about the upcoming uh, Wolf Day at the Minnesota Legislature. Uh, it's coming up, I believe, on February 7th of 2023. And uh, it's really important, and it's something that you can start registering for now at bit.ly slash wolfday 2023. Uh, so we'll have more on that in the next segment, and uh, we'll be back on Monday with Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Stay tuned for Wendy Pilot. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Minsure helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Minsure? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Minsure.org today and get started and get covered. That's MNSure.org. MNSure.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howling! Woo! Oh, good one. Good one. Good one, everyone. We, uh, that's a, a staple of our show is howling for wolves. Mm -hmm. Wait, howling for wolves. That's right. Well, you know what I mean. Hey, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years. And we speak, uh, since the year one, uh, day one of, uh, Native Ritz Radio, we talk about our sacred animals. So, Take it away, Wendy. Hey, everybody. Hi. I'm happy to be here tonight. My name is Hanaji Hihani, and that means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. How? How? <laughs> That's right. So Howling for Wolves has um, some Supported Native Roots Radio 
also from day one. Yes. Uh, their awesome organization, Dr. Maureen Hackett, is mm-hmm. the founder and president of Howling for Wolves. And I'm really excited to talk about what they're doing on February 7th. And I'm going to ask people to save the date. Uh, so Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, is going to be Wolf Day. Uh, at the Minnesota State Capitol, and I'm really excited um, to sign up. I already signed up uh, to go there on February 7th. And what uh, this event is, is we're going to be able to talk about uh, the wolves, why it's important to save the wolves, uh, why it's important to stop a wolf hunt. Uh, and you... Everybody out there who lives in Minnesota can come to the Minnesota State Capitol or you could sign up and do a virtual visit if you don't feel comfortable coming to the State Capitol um, to talk to your uh, senators and representatives about why you feel it's important to save our Minnesota wolves. And I'm really excited about it because I've done this in the past uh, for Wolf Day and for uh, Humane Lobby Day, which I do for the Humane Society of the mm-hmm. United States every year and it's yeah. a really it's a really um, fun and empowering day uh, where you meet people who are like-minded and you make new friends and uh, you're going to check in on February 7th after you sign up at 10 a.m at the Minnesota State Capitol um, they're going to have great uh, guest speakers, including Dr. Maureen Hackett who oh, again yeah. is the founder of Howling for Wolves. Oh. An organization <laughs> fight, fighting to protect wolves for future generations. That's right. One of the guest speakers um, I'm excited to, to tell you about is Dr. Michael W. Fox. Um, and he's been involved from the very beginning to pr- uh, protect wolves. And he's also a veterinarian. So he is very well versed and uh, knows why it's important to save our wolves. Um, Howling for Wolves also has the greatest uh, little, um, I don't know, what do you call it? A logo. So it's the non-lethal keep the pack intact. I love that. Uh, So listen, everybody, go on. We We have the link to sign up. Uh, for Wolf Day on our um, f- Facebook page. And right now, if you're listening and you're watching on Facebook Live, you could just uh, find the information or you could just Google uh, Wolf Wolf Day at the Capitol Howling for Wolves and it pops right up and you just have to click on the link, fill in your information. They're going to serve lunch, which is awesome. And you also get a Howling for Wolves t-shirt. Oh. Uh, and you could just say what size you want. Extra large, Yeah, please. you pick the size <laughs> you want um, and go. And it's, it's really awesome because you meet with your state senator. So I would meet with Aaron Murphy. And I would go in either by myself or hopefully with a group of people. And and here's the thing. When when the when your representatives and senators see a group of people who care about the same thing coming in and talking about this, they know it's important. So when it comes across their desk, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had 20 people in my office talking about this or, oh, I had you know, 10 phone calls about this or, oh, I had this amount of people uh, show up in the rotunda at the state capitol. This is really important to my constituents and this is something I need to look at and care about because they can't know everything. Your state um, senators and representatives don't know what's important to you until you let them know. Um, and also, um, I'm going to put this out for Maureen Hackett that I will be there on um, February 7th. And what I've done in the past for the Humane Lobby Day is to help people, let's say it's a one person going in to see their legislator or their their senator. And sometimes it's really intimidating if you've never done this before and it's kind of scary and people don't want to do it. I would volunteer and go with them to their appointment um, and just be there to um, help them along and answer any questions that they have. So I would I would cool. put yeah I would do that no problem for uh, Wolf Day again Tuesday February seventh twenty twenty three. It starts at ten o'clock. 
10 o'clock, you check in, and then the day goes by and has lots of great stuff, lunch and speakers, and you'll meet with your uh, senator and legislator. Tuesday the 7th. Tuesday the 7th, yeah. Put it in your calendar and mark the day. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about another T-shirt. Yeah, I don't have that much time left, but I just wanted to give (laughs) some, like, fun facts about uh, wolves. You know, once a wolf has found a mate, they tend to stay together for better or worse. Robert, that's better than some people, right? (laughs) Through sickness and in health, often until death do them part. Um, Of course, it's typical only the alpha male and female that breed. So that's normally what happens in a pack. So here's the thing. Let's say they have a trophy hunt, right? And then the hunters go out and they kill the wolves indiscriminately. They don't know who the male and female alpha, uh, you know, ones that are the alpha and who only mate, right? So they they kill the alpha uh, male or the alpha female, and then that breaks up the pack. Not only, you know, is the other animal sad because their mate is gone and dead, but now the other members of the pack will mate, and then you make more wolves, right? Wow. Exactly. So this is a, one of the reasons why it's important not to kill our wolves. Right. And you know what? Wolves will die for each other. In addition to the trend uh, toward monogamy, wolves develop such strong social bonds for their family and other loved ones. They have been known to sacrifice themselves for the survival of the pack and the family unit. That's more over Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's all about the howl. Perhaps the most well-known characteristic of the gray wolf is its penetrating, hauntingly beautiful howl. And we try to mimic that every day when we introduce Howling for Wolves. This is primarily a communication tool both between lone wolves and their pack as well as between packs. When it comes to territory, inner pact howling will determine the size and strength of different pact, often, often determining whether or not the attack or to attack or retreat. So they use that howl uh, as an important communication tool. Wow. Yeah. What so a, let's keep the pack intact. Everybody sign up Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. Yeah, excellent. And then uh, get helped by Wendy uh, going to yeah, see your Senate, happy to state help senator you. and representative. Definitely. She'll hold your hand and uh, teach you uh, the good way because you've been doing this for years. Yeah, I've been doing it quite a few years. Wow. And it's really fun. It's exciting, too. And I'll add a T-shirt to my collection. I appreciate that, <laughs> Wendy. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, Robert Lilligren, Ogama, and, uh, and our intern in the background doing all the background stuff. I really appreciate Ayana. Um We'll be back tomorrow. Stay with us. Free Leonard Peltier. Now.